So, oh, I was looking up uh, today that um, Hulu's going to be live streaming uh, a stunt by some Red Bull pilots. I believe it's going to be April 24th when they're going to do what's called a plane swap where two pilots are going to go 14,000 feet up into the air, go into a, a 90 degree nose dive, like the nose is pointing straight down to the ground. The two pilots are then going to jump out, skydive, and then switch places, hop into each other's um, airplane, and then pull up and fly out and ride off into the sunset. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, don't get me wrong, man. If they actually pulled that off, that'd be fucking dope. Imagine how freaking cold that would look. Like, fuck yeah, man. You know, like brass dip titanium coated balls right there. and. From what I understand, this has never been done before. This is like the world's first and they decided to uh, live stream this and Hulu's going to be a part of it. And I want to say one of the pilots, air quote pilots or skydivers in this uh, did a, a stunt before where he was the first person to skydive without a parachute and he, sky- and he landed into like this giant safety net thing. And Oh, that was this guy? Yeah, I want to say that was him. Was it the Luke? Akins? I think it was Luke Akins. Either Luke Akins or Andy Farrington. I can't remember which one it was, but it was one of those two. They jumped out and um, and he landed into a giant safety net. And I think the only one who did something similar to that was uh, Travis Pastrana, the the stunt uh, B, uh, BM not BMX fuck motocross dude, the stunt motocross guy, where he jumps out and he chases after his parachute. No, I think. I think he he jumped out without one and then got clipped into somebody else. Oh, okay. I know he, it was the only thing. The only difference is he was just wearing boxers when he jumped out. He didn't wear anything: <laughs> goggles, true. a helmet, and some boxers. That's true. In true I Pastrana mean, style. That was pretty dope too. I think he shotgunned a Red Bull too before he did it. <laughs> yeah, I want to know what that was mixed in that Red Bull because it's got to be something else. <laughs> yeah. So 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 yeah. Picture that dynamic, right? Like. You got two planes. I think they're using uh, Cessnas or 182s. They're going up into the air about 14,000 feet. Going, Are they oh, using 182s? Yeah, I want to say they're 182s. I want to say so. Uh, uh, the article doesn't say, but I want to say they're 182s. They're good, so they're going to go up in the air 14,000 feet, point it straight down, facing the ground, perpendicular to the ground, and just dive, go on a straight dive, jump out of the plane, Switch places and then, and then and then pull up. Now, obviously, there's going to be some control measures to this. There has to be. There fucking has to be because, um, in most cases, when you lose control of a plane, right, aerodynamics are going to win. The plane's going to go into a spin or do a tumble or something to the effect where it's not going to stay in a straight line. Well, this one's got a barn door of a speed brake strapped to the belly, so right. And and I want to say, before they even considered doing this, they consulted with an aerospace engineer. I forget the person's name. I think it starts with an I. I can't. I'm going to butcher this. Iskold, Doctor Paulo Iskold, Iskold. I'm fucking it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> so they got with this guy, and then they actually like mapped this out to where they're going to engineer the speed break that MVP was talking about on the. On the belly, so it's kind of like this flap that 
that uh, hugs the belly of the plane and then they engage it and it opens up like a barn door or a hinge, I mean. And it's supposed to keep it in a regular, in a rel- relatively controlled uh, dive. So at least like if it's spinning, it's going to oscillate on itself instead of like going into a straight up uncontrolled tumble, which is cool. You know, you kind of want that. But oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, you got to keep it as nose down as possible. Uh, that's the only way they'll be able to actually get inside the, the AV again. Um, because if it's an uncontrolled tumble or spin or even a flat spin, I mean, that's going to be uh, dangerous for those, those skydivers to try to reenter the cockpit. Just get smacked by the wing, the tail, the prop. Um, did it say, are they cutting the engines out? When they do this, or are they uh, they leaving motors at idle? Uh, I want to say there was a video attached to this that it kind of implied that they're going to be shutting the motor off. And I would I would almost think you would have to, otherwise it'd be just accelerating towards the ground at, at faster than you would want. Right. Because I, I guess my my thing is like you probably want to slow this the speed, the terminal velocity, uh, reel that back as much as possible. Again, with that speed break, that would do that. For anybody who hasn't seen it, uh, if these are 182s or whatever, I mean, that that is it's a massive speed break on the bottom of this thing. Yeah. I guess that's why I called it a barn door. It's huge. Uh, like, I if, I feel like they could go and stand on this thing. It's so <laughs> right. big, you know? Yeah, it's freaking huge. But it has holes in it, right? Like, so it's not just going to be like a full-on stop. Um, from what I understand from the video that they were explaining it is, so they're going to dive and then they're going to hold on to one of the braces for the wing and then slowly like shimmy their way into the into the cockpit. It the explanation of it was pretty sketchy. I mean, like it makes sense if you were a skydiver, but since me I only did like maybe two jumps in my entire life versus some of these guys did like 18,000, 20 some thousand jumps. So I'm assuming they know what the hell they're doing. But they so they're going to jump out. Once they get to the plane that they're swapping to, they're going to shimmy their way in from the brace on the, on the wing. And then once they get into the cockpit, there's not, there's no wind, like trying to pull them back away from the plane. And then they sw- turn all the switches on and they get the engine engaged. And then up she goes. Now the one pilot, he, he said that this one, they've done the engineering, they've done the testing, they've done, trial and error stuff he said they put a lot of time into it so to me it makes me think they've they've done this successfully a couple of times already um it's not just hey we we strapped some some plywood to the bottom of this 182 put a nice red bull wrap on it uh threw a parachute on our backs and said let's let's have a go (laughs) (laughs) so a lot of uh time and effort obviously has been put into this obviously you want to minimize uh any risk you have Right. Um, and, and every time you have the risk, but uh, to me, it seems like, again, they've, they've been able to put a little more effort into it and in, um, in the trial and error set and such like that. So be kind of, kind of curious to know how many times they've done it successfully already. Right. Uh, I would say they probably have at least done like, like a, a air quote plane swap where there's pilots in the thing, like someone other than them. And then they just did the swap just to see if they can physically do a plane swap versus let's have no pilots other than ourselves swap planes and then just fly it off on our own. So, so I'm hoping that's what they did. I'm hoping. Um, 
So one of the jumpers, uh, Luke Atkinson, Atkins, sorry, Atkins. Wow, I'm really fucking it up today. Uh, Luke Atkins. He was one of the consultants for that one, uh, that one record-setting jump of 127,000 feet with uh, what's his name, uh, Felix uh, Baumgartner. Baumgartner. Yeah. Yep. So he was the consultant on that jump. I'm not gonna lie, man. Like when you have to wear a spacesuit to jump. <laughs> I remember watching the video of that thing and he's just stepped out onto the platform and like my whole body was tingling. I, I'm not going to lie. I thought just it was looking. Go ahead. I was going to say it was just my body was just tingling with like, like I felt like I was standing there looking back at the earth and <laughs> right. that's just, it's, it's just so he's got, like you said earlier, titanium coated balls of steel, man. Like it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's wild. I mean, talk about when you do stuff like that, right? And you talk, we all talk about thrills and a rush and, and adrenaline. And like, what do you do after you do some of the stunts? These guys are like, like, hey, what, what's the craziest thing you've done in your life? I jumped out of a, I went up to altitude, me and my buddy in our planes. We nosedived, jumped out and then swapped planes and uh, landed back down. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I, uh, I drove 85 miles an hour in a 55. So pretty much the same thing. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what do you do to top that? Like every time you got to go bigger and bigger and bigger. And you mentioned Pastrana earlier, and he's kind of one of those guys who do that too. He just, it's bigger every time. Yep. I think the, I think for that, the plane swab, the only thing that's really going to top that was, uh, or is, or was the SR 71. Like, well, you know, I flew, I flew through Nebraska in like three minutes. So yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Yeah. I flew like, through some turb- heavy turbulence once landing into uh, Omaha, Nebraska. So pretty, uh, pretty sketchy stuff. <laughs> right. I did a, I did a VFR landing with like zero visibility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On a well-lit airport. Awesome. <laughs> uh, this, it does say, hey, I found an article here on Red Bull's uh, website. And it did say they are going to cut the power to their engines midair. Uh, when they start free falling, then they'll they'll jump out and swap planes. Wow, I mean, like you said, like it would make sense for them to do that, but at the same time, like me as a mechanic, I'm seeing like all the red flags in the world about this. You know, like, uh, what if like the aircraft doesn't engage in the time it, you know, the the do not pass go line, you know, or the line of no return, like. The engine kicks on, but it doesn't kick on in time for it to generate enough lift to pull out of the dive or like say like the engine doesn't turn on at all or the flight controls fail. Some, something like off the wall, like this can turn into a very bad thing. So that's another thing, right? As that, as that aircraft's in a dive, uh, I wonder if they have to drill any holes in like slats or flaps or whatever to keep to keep those oscillations to a minimum, right? Right. Or are they locking when they nosedive, are they locking locking the yoke in a certain position to hold those at neutral to get the most smooth? Because imagine, right, if you didn't do that and, and your one aileron uh, left aileron kicks up or whatever, I mean that puts you into a a spin right there. So mm-hmm. um I'd be curious to know if they if they had to if they're gonna lock those out. But again, you lock those out. So when you get in, the first thing you got to do is unlock, start motor. Like there's a whole sequence of events, right? You got to be, everything's got to be done at the exact moment. Uh, 
precise timing, I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know. Right. And can you imagine, man, like the ground, the ground crew or the maintenance crew, when these guys pitch this, like, Hey fellas, check this out. I'm going to dive 14,000 feet. I'm going to switch planes and fly into someone else's plane. I'm like, you're going to do what? (laughs) Imagine you're the mech. Yeah. They come in. Hey man, I'm going to need you to put uh, a speed brake on this thing. Why? It's a 182. Like it's, it's cruising at like 180 max. I don't even know if it goes that fast, to be honest with you. Those who work (laughs) on small aircraft, let me know. But, and they're going, well, so here's the thing. Um, I'm actually going to take it up. Me and old homie over here. Uh, we're going to nosedive, jump out and swap planes. Uh, just want to run that one by me one more time again, as he's <laughs> looking at the blueprints for this massive speed break. You're going to, you're going to jump out and swap the, who bought off on this? Uh, imagine being the FAA guy, right? When you, when they, when they, uh, file for their flight plan, <laughs> sitting there waiting <laughs> for the approval. And you're like, all right, let's see if this rolling takes a sip of coffee, goes across the desk. All right, uh, you know, United Airlines wants to go from here to here. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, we're going from Red Bull. 14,000 feet nosedive swap. What? Hey, Frank, can we do that? <laughs> like, excuse <laughs> me, that, what? I they, they shut the whole operation down. Everyone in the FAA, FISDO, is like combing through the forest trying to figure out if it's allowable or not. <laughs> Right, he's like, you know, he's drinking his coffee, like thinking it's gonna be another slow day. And like, they do, they want to do what, you know? Spits <laughs> his some... coffee out everywhere. <laughs> Just goes, I want some butts. <laughs> Who the hell put this on my desk? This ain't a joke. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, ha ha, everyone! It's not even April first yet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, for people who are not familiar with uh, some of the FAA regulations, there is there is a section on the federal aviation uh, regulations about um, acrobatic uh, flights. And that's on the part 91, 303, I want to say it is. I could be wrong. Wait, uh, yeah, part what, part 91. Anyway, it talks about like about um, aero, aer- aerobatic flights. And there's really not much it says about it other than you have to be properly trained to do it. Which I really don't know who is going to certify you to do such a stunt. And then mm-hmm. then it talks about like you can't do certain stunts in a populated area. And in, so, in something in the case like this, you definitely don't want to be in a populated area in case something fails. But there's really not much governing a aerobatic flight other than you have to be fully trained to do it. So I'd imagine that approval uh, as crazy it is. There's really not much stopping you. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, or are they going to be over a closed range, right? Did they, I mean, they're in Arizona, right? And there's a lot of open space in Arizona. So, you know, didn't pick a bad area. It's not like they're going over downtown Manhattan and hoping for the best. Um, they've obviously chosen a remote era, area in Arizona, but uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know what they're going to. Yeah. Uh, I'm still stuck on the FAA thing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, same. Right. And, oh, and it's not part 91, uh, section 91303. So there it was. It, it came to me after the fact, but yeah, like I'm, I'm curious as to how the FAA just say, you know what? Why not? Why the fuck not? Go ahead and do it. And there's other things to it. Like you can't be, you have to be within four, within four nautical miles of an airspace or, 
Yeah, you cannot be below an altitude of 1,500 feet. That's kind of a given. Uh, flight visibility needs to be clear for at least three nautical miles. Stuff like that. Basic stuff. But nothing. I, I've yet to see anything. Someone listen to this. Please quote us on or please fill us in. There's really nothing that says anything other than about going into a 14,000 foot nose dive and then swapping planes. Yeah, what was that far again? Uh, it was far 91.303. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's about uh, aerobatic flights. So, again, if someone really knows like all the nitty gritty stuff about the FAR, please, by all means. And then what's the process it takes to do something like that? Like, what's the approval? Like, what do we have to show to say, hey, or to get the green light to do something like this? And then, again, like I'm talking from the mechanic standpoint, pilots, please weigh on this as well. But from the mechanic standpoint, I can see so many things that could go wrong. With, with this whole flight. By all well, means, one, of the, go ahead. one of the pilots said that he goes, it's not just stuntmen doing a crazy stunt. He goes, he wanted to prove that we're more than just stuntmen, that we can do the engineering, the testing, the design, and the execution. So does that mean that the uh, Luke Akins and the, um, oh my God, what was the other guy's name? Uh, Farrington. Farrington, Andy Farrington. Um, are they also, uh, you know, I wonder if they're like, you know, uh, aeronautics engineers um, or, or what they're, I mean, obviously, obviously they're pilots, you know, parachute mm-hmm. uh, skydivers, all that kind of stuff. But I wonder if they're engineers as well, just out of, out of curiosity, right? Say, Hey, I, I design built planned and executed um, this thing from start to finish. So I'd be kind of curious to know. Um, that's a good, that's you a know, good point. What, what their, what their history is or what their background is, or does, did they have to hire engineers and the article? So they're obviously playing it close to the chest. They're not giving a lot of information away, but we saw this pop up in the news and we kind of wanted to cover it. But so we apologize if we, seems like we're lacking information, but there, there's not a whole lot of information out there. We're just kind of digging into what we can. Um, yeah. But I wonder what their, what their background is, you know, and it seems like they've been doing these kind of, uh, acrobatics for a long time Mm -hmm. um but i'd just be curious to know their their thing so for those who don't know the 91 303 aerobatic flight and six touched on this a little bit but it says no person may operate an aircraft in aerobatic flight over a congest any congested area of a city town or settlement over an open air assembly of persons so you know you're outside and having a barbecue i guess that's a no uh, within the lateral boundaries of the surface areas of class B, class C, class D, or class E airspace designed for an airport. So don't go over LAX and decide to nosedive and skydive at the same time. Um, within four nautical miles of a, of the center line of any federal airway below an altitude of 1500 feet above the surface or when the flight visibility is less than three statute miles. Um, for the purposes of this section, aerobatic flight means an intentional maneuver involving an abrupt change in an aircraft's attitude and an abnormal attitude or ab- abnormal acceleration, not necessary for formal flight or normal flight, excuse me. So that's what the part 91 says. Um, so again, a lot of planning had to go into this. What did, 
what you know what kind of conversations i'm curious were had with the faa right for me that would be number one you know, okay i'm planning this i want to do this but but before i invest so much time and money and effort am i even allowed so i would assume they probably had those conversations first and foremost with the faa right and it's and it's red bull right they're not it's not like this is their first time doing some crazy stuff. They've been doing crazy stuff for quite a long time. So they probably have their own FA probably has their own Red Bull sector <laughs> just for this kind of stuff. Right. right. They're probably, you know, like they're just sitting there waiting for the little phone to ring. Like, oh, good. We got something. The, well, what is it today, the, fellers? <laughs> or or it's a whole division of like chain smoking, coffee drinking, bloodshot eyes. And they're just kind of that shaky, you know. <laughs> it's like, well, oh my God, what are they going to come through with next? I don't, you know, <laughs> just, right. I picture it. What's next? Like, you want to do what? Roll it. Let's, let, let's think about this. The good part is they're at least doing it the right way. Where like, they're making sure they're approved to do it. They got some, uh, engineering controls to help mitigate any unforeseen risks. You know, like they're actually m- mapping this out. There's not just a bunch of dudes like, you know, what would be fun. Fuck it. Let's do this shotgun a beer and fucking roll it so none of that we're just saying like at least they're not doing any of that craziness however you know again from the mechanic standpoint like there's i can see so much shit going wrong and there's some other stunts where shit has gone wrong right where like uh uh there was an accident once uh with a stunt from tom cruise's uh film crew where that crashed um or you hear like old stories from way back when when two planes two biplanes like try to pass by each other in the accident and clip each other's wings or something like that you know again this is like mm-hmm. some way back stuff and these were guys like they didn't have the advantages of technology to kind of model things out to see how it's gonna work before they actually try it they're like oh you know if i turn left it goes right if i go right it goes up some shit like that you know <laughs> like some yeah some weird like fly by the seat of your pants shit and again as a as a mechanic man like i just see a lot of stuff that could potentially go wrong and i'm just hoping like everybody and their mother like looks through this plane or these planes with fine tooth combs and make sure everything is to the t correct like because you know if that thing wrecks if either of those wreck that's the first thing that the faa and ntsb and every safety council is going to be looking at like did they make sure the tension was right? Did they make sure the ailerons were working right? Was the aircraft serviced correctly? Did they put enough air in the tires? All kinds of dumb shit that you never would expect them to look at. They will be freaking fine-tooth combing this thing with a tuning fork. Like, what could have possibly gone wrong when it went wrong? You know? Yeah, I'd be curious to know um, all the mods that were done to those planes. Um, what What the... IA, you know, the engineering behind it, then the IA inspection after that, um, getting the approval for those modifications. Um, did they have to, were these mods already out there from, from in, within history, you know, or did they have to go back to the OEM and get approval? Did you have to beef up the airframe and in the belly of any area to have that speed brake mounted? Um, uh, what changed with, with the aircraft's, you know, scheduled inspections or whatever else to ensure uh, the safest operation of this, you know, are they running recommended oil? Or are they using special oil? Were the engines modified in any way? 
were the propellers modified in any way, mm-hmm. right? They using a different, uh, different type of propeller with a different, uh, pitch to it or, or variable pitch, you know, I don't know. Um, or is it a fixed pitch? You know, what, what benefits you in these situations? Man, we really need an engineer on here <laughs> right? to answer well, some of these questions. <laughs> right. Well, but, but that, that, that kind of goes to say, right? Like when you come to stuff like this, right. A simple IA is not going to bridge the gap, right? And like, all they're going to see is like, well, yep. It looks like a speed break. Is all your documentation in place? Yep. Yep. Here's your s- service bulletin or here's your modification change that says it was approved. R- works for me. Right. They don't, they don't dig any further than that. Unless they're just, they just know that trend and they have a little bit of an engineering background to think that way. But otherwise, like uh, a mechanic or an IA or, or someone who's signing this office is going to say like, well, here's all your documents that say it was approved. Fuck it. Works for me. Right. But yeah, but like, say like a flight engineer, he's the one who has, who's going to be really on tap for this. Cause like, did I engineer this correctly? Did I use the drawings? Did I ensure that the, that the final product was to the specifications that I created. And then it all goes under their name. Like I made this, I engineered this, I came up with the math behind this. So if it does wreck or if it does have a problem, it's going to go right back to the engineer. Like what the hell happened there, friend? Like, uh, it sounded right on uh, in math. Right. Right. So that's, that's really all that we can do. It's, It's like, from an IA's perspective or from an inspector's perspective, there's really not much I can do other than it looks like it's all there, right? Everything feels secure. It looks secure. It looks safe. It's all approved to be safe. So wipe my hands of the whole ordeal. That, that, that's really it. Like as an IA, I really can't determine if a pilot is certified to do this or not other than, sir, do you have your, can I see your pilot's license? Oh, thanks, friend. Have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking about, you know, the backgrounds of these uh, two individuals uh, earlier, Luke Akins and Andy Farrington. So I, I pulled up uh, a little bit of a bio here on Andy Farrington. Six, if you want to maybe pull up Luke Akins. Um, so Luke A uh, or Andy Farrington, he's uh, a Red Bull Air Force member. He's a cancer survivor, skydiving ace, pro swooper, and Red Bull champ. Andy Farrington is a king of the skies with over 25,000 jumps to his name. Holy cow. Uh, he's born in 1979. He's the youngest member of the Red Bull Air Force. That's, that's pretty crazy, actually. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you want some seasoned, uh, seasoned professionals out there, but, I mean, you know, it's nobody that was born in 95. You know what I mean? Right. And, and 18 year olds doing this kind of stuff. So um, what's kind of interesting as I was reading through his bio here, uh, it says his mom made about a hundred jumps while he was still in the uterus. So riding <laughs> tandem. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you know, the article says maybe that's why he's such a natural to the skydive because his mom jumped a hundred times while she was pregnant with him. That's crazy. Jeez. That's pretty dope. Uh, right here it says for Luke Aikens this is also from Red Bull he says he was uh, a stuntman a, or a film stuntman a helicopter pilot uh, he's also a skydiving coach he's done more than 21,000 jumps has over 8,700 flight hours and he's done some uh, consulting for both the for some military special forces groups he's uh, in the a parachuters association 
And he's the one who uh, advised Felix Baumgartner on his 128,000 foot jump. Oh, wow. So, I mean, like these are no slouches. These guys are not dumb. And I'm not saying they're stupid for trying this stunt. Uh, I'm just saying like, uh, these are dudes who absolutely know what the hell they're doing as far as the actual stunt is concerned. So like, don't just think like some random Joe can just strap himself to the side of a wing and then just let loose and try something like this. Not, not in the least bit. Like no, and here for Andy, he was diagnosed with cancer at the age of two. After the doctors removed kidney, they, they forbade his participation in mainstream sports. And he says, fortunately, his family who loves skydiving didn't see any problem with him jumping out of a plane. He made his first tandem jump at 12, went solo at 16, and has since accumulated over the 25,000 jumps and 6,000 hours as a pilot. Um, he's in demand as an aerial videographer and photographer, but recently he's been spending time in front of the camera as well. Uh, he was also chosen as one of the five stunt flyers, uh, chosen as one of five stunt flyers for Transformers 3. Uh, featuring the first ever base jump from Chicago's uh, Willis, formerly known as Sears Tower. Part of Red Bull team recruited to play civilians in the high-octane Barrel of Monkeys uh, aerial action sequence in Iron Man 3. Uh, so, you know, he's, again, no slouch to this kind of, uh, this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, just, just 25,000 jumps, been in movies. Again, the whole consulting thing. Um, that's pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, same with uh, Luke Akins. Like, so he was in, he coordinated scenes such as Iron Man 3, Godzilla, Fast and the Furious franchise, Ant-Man 2. Uh, he was also a photographer, an aerial photographer, most of these scenes. And also, oh, here's a fun fact, but both uh, Luke and, and uh, Farrington are cousins. <laughs> so they're, so they're. Oh, really? Yeah. I so, didn't know that. Yeah. So it says right here too, like the Luke and his cousin and fellow Red Bull uh, teammate, Andy Farrington. So they share a 40 acre property in Washington with an airplane. And that's how they uh, gain, like they maintain their experience with it. So that's fucking dope. You know, like, Hey, that's hey, pretty cool. Hey, Imagine co- growing up with your cousin doing all these wild ass stunts. Yeah. He's like, Hey cousin, you want to, well, what do you want to do today? I don't know, friend or how no guy. Like, uh, let's go up to 14,000 feet and try some shit. Like, all right. <laughs> sold. Sold. Yeah, sold. Yeah. You son of a bitch. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lie. If they pull this stunt off, and I'm, I'm hoping that they do, because you know, no one wants to see an accident happen. But I, but I, when they actually pull it off, you know, this stuff is gonna light the internet on fire. And then, like what MVP was saying, like what comes after that? What's next? Like what's the next thing to do? Oh, let's try it on fighter planes. <laughs> right. We're gonna take two F-35s up, nose them at the ground. Yeah, yeah. We know the last planes we did cost maybe a hundred thousand dollars in total, but. Hear me out. Forty-eight million a piece. Nose diving at the ground. <laughs> yeah, like what? <laughs> and, and to save save face, we're gonna fly without the canopies on the whole time. Fuck yeah! <laughs> right? Oh shit, dude, that'd be freak. That's like the only thing I can top that. I think that's the only way that can top that because you know once they do this, everyone is gonna want to try to do this, or or at least attempt to. Right. And I, I honestly hope they do get it done just so they like that could be like a capstone for humanity. Like this is it. Like until we until we figure out how to do this in space, this is it. <laughs> Don't try anything crazier than this. 
<laughs> yeah, the next thing they'll do is they'll be hitting up like uh uh some of the uh new civilian space tycoons out there. I'm like, hey, hear us out. Let us take your ships and shuttles to the moon. All right, we're gonna go around the moon and we're gonna nosedive them back at the earth. <laughs> we're gonna jump out and we're gonna fall for four hundred thousand feet and then swap swap and get back in. that's really it that's the only thing i think that can top that um uh that'd be so wild i mean again this is happening on april 24th it's going to be live streamed on hulu i'm sure if you guys don't have it they're gonna live stream in every other place because you know this is going to make some serious noise if and when they pull this off and it looks like they are they're very on track to pull this off because the the people doing it they're not slouches they know what the hell they're doing and then they're bringing on people who can have who have the know-how to make this as stable as possible. And the really the only thing that's really gonna hinder any of this is something that's unforeseen, like the weather suddenly shifts, or uh, somehow uh, someone didn't do their due diligence on the plane, or whatever. They just kind of forego the final check or something like that. That's gonna be the only thing that's gonna really. Or I so far that's all I see. That's gonna be the only thing that's gonna really make this thing turn sideways is something that you just never saw happening, or something that you feel that's happened so much that you don't need to look at it anymore, and then that's when it turns craziness. That's that that's my opinion at least. Yeah, that's that's it's gonna be wild, man. And for all those out there listening, again, we're we're just going off of the information we can find and locate on this. Um, please, by all means, if there's any any small aircraft uh, mechanics, engineers, or whatever out there that can can go into the uh, mechanical side a little bit more for us, we'd be more than happy to hear it or have you on to talk about it. Right. Um, I think it'd be be fantastic to learn everything that everything that went into it. Yeah, obviously we know they're they're again they're no slouches and whatever else, but you know, design wise, what what was what made you choose those aircraft? What what made you choose? You know what what made you decide how we're going to slow it down? Because looking at the pictures, I mean they got they got kind of like what I'll call the balloon tires on them for uh, landing on grass or dirt airstrips, right? You know, and the, the the only thing I can see negative coming out of this is you know someone's going to have to try to one up it, right? Like, uh, and we kind of been hinting at that throughout the episode, but like, uh, at what point does taking the stunt too far, go too far, you know, like, what, what like, uh, when do we, when do we know we've hit the limit and that there's good and bad to that. I'm going to admit, cause sometimes, you know, like, Oh, we can never go this far. And then we send the person into space. We, well, I, w- I would think you're at least in this specific scenario, you'd be limited by, um, the physics of it, right. Mm-hmm. Terminal velocities and, and designs and, and then, and then FAA. Mm-hmm. Hey, we know we did the last time. Yeah, we approved that because you weren't going to be falling faster than 150 miles an hour or something like that. But now you're talking about you're going to be traveling 400 miles an hour in a nosedive. Like, mm, mm, mm-hmm. you know, not not with it, not with it at all. Yeah, yeah or, we're not with that one. Yeah, or like, or we're going to do a supersonic uh, nosedive. Like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> A supersonic nose stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
you know. All right, we get out, and about the time they open the door, they're already in the ground. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's possible. It'd be like a Looney Tune, man. It'd be like a Looney Tune thing where, where they, about the time the Wiley Coyote realizes uh, he can get out of his situation, he opens the door and then just straight into the ground. <laughs> right. Or, or or we're going to implement some unmanned aerial vehicle shit, right? We're going to put Skynet into the plane. They're going to jump out and then, and then we're going to prove that Skynet works and then the plane's going to fly itself just before oh, it hits man. the deck. You know what I mean? What if they what if they did wing walking on a UAV? On like one of the larger UAVs? Ooh. Strap themselves to the back. I'm not going to lie to you. I have I have pictured myself doing that <laughs> several times. Right. I'd be lying. I'd be lying if I said I didn't. But imagine that, like, okay, I'm going to strap myself to the back of this thing and it's going to take off. It's going to fly around, do some stuff and then, uh, and then land with them. And then maybe while you're up there, while they're in straight and level flight, you kind of walk wingtip to wingtip or something like that. (laughs) That'd be pretty dope. Honestly, man, I'm surprised. I'm surprised no movie has tried that yet. You know, like even if it's just CGI that they haven't actually tried that. Yeah, (laughs) that might be, I mean, be. Red Bull, if you're listening, hit us up. Yeah, right. We got some ideas for you. <laughs> we got some ideas. <laughs> we got plans. <laughs> <laughs> We're wild now over here. Right. Like, don't don't mind that intake right there just by the nose. Don't worry about that. That's fine. It's okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll survive. <laughs> It'll be fine. You're bigger than the hole. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. sick. Insane. So. Uh, if you guys got any stories about cool stunts or stuff that you you've seen that you never thought was possible, please by all means uh, hit us up on on our website, on our email, or our socials. Uh, by all means, because we as as crazy as this stunt is, I'm pretty sure there's other ones that are equally as crazy, like trying to land on a mountaintop <laughs> that only has like three feet of runway or three feet of uh of landing before it it, it careens off into the ravine. <laughs> Well, I mean, they already have those, the stole competitions, the short takeoff and landing where they get like these guys and super cubs that can land in like 50 feet on a riverbed type thing and take off in 80 feet type thing. That's they're pretty sweet. If you've never seen those, check those out. They're pretty wild. Some of these pilots can almost hover, hover these like tail draggers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like a super cub, hover them almost like a helicopter. It's crazy. That is pretty crazy. And yeah. they just float in. Yeah. I mean, I've, I personally haven't seen it, but now I'm curious. I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, check them out. The Stoles, the short takeoff and landing competitions. They're wild, dude. That is pretty dope. Or just watch like videos of like Alaskan bush pilots and stuff and, and some of the things that they're out there doing. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Those I have seen. That is freaking nuts. But if you guys have you guys seen some stunts or you know of some stunts that are just like off the wall, like this should be on a record book, but it wasn't because it wasn't officiated or something like that (laughs) sanctioned approved air quotes (laughs) approved (laughs) please let us know like we i'm we're curious to hear those stories and again if you guys know a little bit more in depth about the mechanical engineering and the what have you that 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 would make this flight happen or this stunt happen please again let us know we're always down to hear this and we're down to learn uh, how it all works and how it all ties in Yes, sir. On that note, uh, I got not, I got nothing else for closing thoughts. Do you have anything, MVP? Nope, nothing else to close out on this. And I guess uh, carpe diem. Carpe diem, <laughs> right? Chuck some Red Bull. And- seize, seize, seize the carp. 
Seize the carb. As they say. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. See you on the next one. Bye, everyone. Bye. We'd like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to continue to make episodes, maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners with special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Ryan Freshour, Dan Schubert, Jenny Dignan, and the ladies of the Dick Talk and Mimosas podcast. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. Visit our shop at cancelformaintenance.com and grab some swag to show off both your support for us and your prowess as an aircraft technician. If you have ideas for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our contact us section and send us a line. We will do what we can to get your ideas or yourself on the show. You can also follow us on social media such as on Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at Kanks, that's C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, or on Twitter at CXMX Podcast. Check out some of our affiliates like Rockwell Time, where they make both rugged and classy watches to fit your lifestyle. Use the code CX4MX and save 10% off your purchase. Support us on Patreon. Our patrons get exclusive perks such as access to our Discord, discounts and early access to merch, special patron-only episodes, and so much more. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.